With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of 20 is the New 30 podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michal. I'm Amelia. And I'm KJ. And this week we are going to touch on the it topic of the middle of November 2022. I'm sure if you are alive in this current space and time, you know what we're talking about it because it's all over the news and it has a lot of far reaching impacts. And especially for the sort of audience that we're going for in our podcast, it likely could have impacted many of you. And that is the downfall of FTX. It's so interesting watching this play out over Twitter and in real time because it feels like I'm watching Wolf of Wall Street happen. Yeah, I was too young back then, but now it's it's like watching a movie, but in real life. Mihao and I, when we were discussing this in private, he assured me that in a few years there will be a film a blockbuster film about this sequence of events so oh, they're already that. prepping for it that's not even a secret like that's an actual thing really? yeah i saw the tweet they said that um i mean uh, who's the fat actor with the curly hair i don't know my actors seth rogan <laughs> no, no. no the other no. one the goofy one jonah hill yes yes that he should play spf and that uh and that the girl who played Arya Stark, Maisie Willy, Maisie Williams, in, uh, in Game of Thrones, should play his uh, business partner slash ex girlfriend slash Polly Sal or Paul Cube. We'll get into that, guys. Who so, is they? What do you mean? You said they are saying, Amelia, you and me have both. The people of Twitter. It was viral. Yeah, it's hard for you to understand this, but the 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 mind meld that is Twitter is always ahead. Whoever of- doesn't live under the rock with you. If you see anyone, any of your neighbors under the rock, it's the people outside of that realm. Hey guys, my neighbors that are down here under these rocks, we're going to try to give you the what, who, when, where, and why, and most importantly, how of the FTX downfall. So that way you don't have to scroll mindlessly and try to get some information because you can get it all right here on the 20 is the new 30 podcast. So let's begin. What was FTX? So perhaps let's begin with who started it. So I'm sure you guys have seen his name flying around the internet these days, but Sam and I blankfied Freed. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Bankman Freed. What did I say? Blankified. 
Linkman. <laughs> okay, I've only ever seen to him referred to as SBF. So that is correct. It's a common just, acronym. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's that's what he goes by. That's what is all over Twitter. He is only thirty years old, a former billionaire. So all of his wealth has now been wiped out. But at one point, he definitely had loads of fu money. Um, even offered to buy Twitter at one point and help Elon with that purchase. So he started working at Jane Street Capital initially. That's how his career in finance took off. And he met Caroline there, who's the girl that Michal mentioned that Arya Stark would, the actress that plays Arya Stark would also play Caroline, who's his ex-girlfriend. I initially thought it was his sister because they kind of look like I was wrong there. We got to stop you right there. I don't think he ever wanted to buy Twitter. I thought, I think that he wanted to invest or just put up money when Elon Musk was talking about buying Twitter because he wanted to maybe saddle up closer to him and be more of a known presence. Right. Okay. So he offered up $5 billion, which is kind of a hefty amount. Anyways, so he met Caroline there at Jane Street Capital. He quit shortly after um, and then founded... Alameda Research in November 2017, which is a quantitative trading firm, um, owned about 90% of it as of 2021, and then founded FTX, which is a cryptocurrency derivatives exchange, two years later in April 2019. So, Amelia, when you when you were saying his name, uh, <laughs> it kind of it kind of remind, reminded me of when. Mark Zuckerberg was doing the hearings, the Facebook hearings in front of the U.S. House of Representatives, and all there were a ton of different uh, congressmen that couldn't get his name right, and so they were like, "Mr. Zuckerman, this and this," it's cracking me up. I did feel like a boomer when I said it. Um... Now I I was patiently waiting for a track to explode on, as Fifty Cent would say, Ooh. but yeah, but I was sitting and just seeing if Amelia could get the bare bones, the baseline of the story, correct? And Amelia, you did an excellent job. Um, it should be, I, I did want to pepper in a couple other things. So Jane Street Capital is uh, kind of considered like a place where the creme de la creme of trading quants come from these days. So you're kind of super antisocial Asperger's type traders that are just you know making huge arbitrage or leveraged trades and making millions so they say i'm kind of skeptical about that kind of reputation um it also should be said that we will not be delving into the political aspect of ftx here i've promised Emilian not to go too far on that side but caroline ellison's parents were friends with uh, Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, who has been overseeing upcoming crypto regulation, supposedly. So just think about the kind of conflict of interests that are involved in this uh, derivatives trading exchange that he created. And there's a lot more if you want to go down the political side. Plenty of people have covered it, but that's just one thing to have in the back of your mind, that he got very cozy with a lot of politicians and a lot of journalists. That was a really good disclaimer there. Mihao. Thank you for that. Not going to go into the political aspect of it now. Where? Where is this happening? Where is FTX? Well, this is happening in real time all over the world. You could see some of the drama on any of your social media feeds, I'm sure. However, FTX was based in Nassau, Bahama. And Bahama, there's just one? Bahama. 
<laughs> for, <laughs> for regulatory reasons, many venture capital firms, startups, and shell companies are located in the Caribbean. If you guys remember, there was a big document leak, a data uh, leak in 2021. It was called the Pandora Papers, and it exposed a lot of the uh, creme de la creme, the upper crust players that were involved in basically tax avoidance schemes by having shell companies located in, in the Caribbean and in the Bahamas. It's like when you look up where a company is based in the States and it's always Delaware and it's like, oh, shocking. Yeah, another another crypto, large crypto firm that a lot of people have had suspicions about being insolvent for many years and it has yet to fail for mysterious reasons. I honestly think it's being like backed up by a government is Tether, uh, which is a stable coin. And they are also headquartered in the Bahamas, believe it or not. Sorry, correction there, Bahama, singular. Yeah, Bahama. Yes, they're headquartered what? in Bahama. Bahama. <laughs> So, and obviously there's so much to talk about with this guy, sort of, you know, the reputation that he would take Zoom calls with people who are in the same room as him, or he would be playing League of Legends on meetings and refusing to talk to people, uh, abusing lots of amphetamines, uh, Adderall, also some kind of like anti-aging stuff. But I, the one that I, I thought was hilarious is that he lived in a mansion running his trading exchange, making billions with... I think it's called like a Paul cell or a Paul cube. Poly and every- cube, dude. Tell Poly cube. Everyone there was polyamorous. So 10 people, all of them banging each other. And, uh, but none of them in committed relationships. If that doesn't sound new age zoomer, very fast glasses on, I'm racing against the speed of time that I don't know what does. All right, so let's fast forward to what happened. So this guy was obviously living the high life, you know, like classic Wolf of Wall Street-esque, except now it's like this nerd version billionaire um, just a year ago. So offering to pitch in $5 billion to buy Twitter, to help Elon buy Twitter, doing whatever he wants, flying jets all over the world. About the FTX Arena, the Miami Heat play at the FTX Arena in Miami. And, yeah, uh, like yeah. he has so much money, he can buy whatever he wants, has yeah. this xgf running his uh other company so fast forward to november 2nd 2022 what happens two journalists from coindesk get an internal document from ftx anonymously that show discrepancies between assets and liabilities not only that it showed that the trading arm of the company Alameda Research and the exchange FTX, that these two businesses were not independent and that they were sharing assets. They were they were putting the same assets on their on their books. It's a little worse than that, even because uh, the assets that they were sharing and that they were using to guarantee that they could pay their debtors or pay their leverage or pay the firms that they uh, debtors and creditors, sorry, the firms that they had bought out was FTT, which was the in-house token issued by FTX. Now, if you're not crypto traders and you don't know, the biggest crypto trading exchanges create their own tokens. And these tokens kind of like buying and holding them is one thing to hold crypto coin, like Binance has BNB, but they also help uh, cut down on uh, trading fees on the exchange. So there's an incentive, you can get rewards. The not FTX one was... Go ahead. But 
from from a investor standpoint you can show when you're doing fundraising because obviously these companies their profitability is questionable so they constantly have to be fundraising you can show that you have your own token and this is the valuation of the token this is how much it's being traded for on the open market so it's a way to get more money from future investors which is Guys. a good time to mention actually the fundraising rounds i think so we can back up a little bit because obviously this has huge implications now now that ftx has collapsed i mean many people's lives maybe they put all their savings into it are ruined but it's also a big deal for the investors that were participating in the different series rounds so Emilia, real quick, I just want our listeners to know today's value of FTT token is a dollar seventy-five. In March, it was fifty dollars a token. Yeah, so quite literally ruining many people's lives out there and wiping out savings. Amelia, um, so those it doesn't matter what round you invested in because from now on you're going to be getting nothing, zero. Well, I'm not talking about that. Like, yes, I was talking about the average investor, their savings are wiped out. But even for huge hedge funds like Sequoia, their savings, not savings, their investment has been completely wiped out. And so if we zoom out to July 2021, FTX was raising a Series B round um, and was valued at $18 billion. So two months later after that, so that was then September 2021, it was valued at 25 billion. Then they raised in January, so only what, like four or five months after that, 400 million in a Series C round. That's that's crazy growth to go from a Series B to a Series C that quickly. But anyways, in January, 400 million in a Series C round, and that brought its total funding to 2 billion and valuation to 32 billion. So they jumped from Series B valuation at 18 billion to 32 billion in Series C. That's unprecedented, basically. Wow. Big Amelia, I don't live in the Valley, so I don't know how Series B, Series C funding works. But I, me how. Yeah, I was going to say, I was trying to speak for the for KJ, Ed, for the common man. But I guess the point is that what's fascinating is that as a trading exchange, not only are the investors who are propping up his company and also Alameda, because that technically is an investable, you know, you can give them money and they can give you return on your investment, but they're also an exchange. So it's almost like if the New York Stock Exchange were also a company that people paid money to exist, but it also was a place where people held stocks. Do you see what I'm saying? Because yeah, the other people that got screwed are people who have their Bitcoin, Ethereum and other stuff on FTX.com. Right. Also, just before we go into the other impacts of this, um, just for comparison, the average amount of time between Series B and Series C fundraising is usually 27 months. They went from Series B to Series C between July and January. So like five, six months. So massive, nice. massive conflict of interest there from, from what Mihao described. That New York Stock Exchange was a great example. Thank you for that, Mihao. Now, how did this happen? Many coins and exchanges are leveraged against each other. Additionally, there is a lot of money in this space, but very little due diligence. So let's let's break that down with the, with the first one. The money, or sorry, the coins and exchanges that are leveraged against each other. Mihao, how does that work? Yeah, so this is a bit the missing piece in the puzzle between Coindesk's report on November 2nd 
and then FTX going bankrupt on, uh, I think it was last Tuesday, announcing it yeah, on the 8th. So basically, if you got, I already mentioned it once talking, the largest cryptocurrency trading exchange right now in the world is Binance. It's owned by a Chinese guy called CZ. Um, he used to be located in Hong Kong. Now I think he runs everything out of Malta. There is a lot of speculation that he has ties to the Chinese Communist Party. You can make up your own mind on that. But at some point, he leveraged or took on an investment in FTX in FTT token. And then they took that you know, onto their balance sheet. After he read the after he read the report that they might actually be insolvent, he tweeted that they were going to sell 570 million of FTT, which caused the the bank the run on the bank, as it were. So FTT's price collapsed, Bitcoin collapsed. Uh, I think the stock market even started going red. Then it recovered because Binance was going to buy FTX, and all of this was happening in real time on Twitter. Of course, nothing happens via press release anymore or in corporate boardrooms. And then a couple hours later, he said, actually, the what's behind the books is so distressed that we're not buying it. And then FTX kept collapsing. So that's my quick one minute story of how the collapse happened in real time. So should we go into the impact for the average day trader? And obviously, the large hedge funds, they are valuing it at zero now and they're pulling out their investments and et cetera, et cetera. That probably won't impact the average listener to this, but it will and might have already impacted your investments. Yes, Amelia, tell us, have you been impacted? Well, I checked Coinbase today and it wasn't looking too hot. You're distraught. I'm a little bit distraught. I mean, I've been distraught though. It's been a tough year for investments all around, which is we unfortunate will... because the price of everything is just skyrocketing, skyrocketing at the same time. We will prevail. If you don't have that money to lose, you shouldn't be investing it anyway. Time in the market is better than time off the market, right? Except I'm finding that hard to believe right now. But anyways, I checked Coinbase today and I think I'm 50% down all time. I didn't even have any FTX. so. Yeah, well, at least you're not Jim Cramer saying we like Coinbase at $475 a share. It is now, I believe, $55 a share. So you, you could always be a little dumber. And that's so why the inverse Cramer meme exists. Let's talk about the how a little bit more. The second part of what I originally said, that there's a lot of money in this space, but very little due diligence. Now, think about what Amelia spoke uh, mentioned about the time that elapsed in between the funding rounds and the hype that was around this company. And it's not just exclusive to this company. You see this all the time. This is part of the human psyche. You want to get a piece of action. If, you're, if your friends are saying, they're making money and they're able to get these great returns. You want in on that. And it's almost a peace of mind to not have to do the due diligence and just invest blindly just because others are doing it. And that sounds like what happened for a lot of people that put money in into FTX. Perhaps SBF was cooking the book so well that no one was able to discern this earlier. But I think there was definitely a lot of hype surrounding it that led people to make these investments. Definitely. And I think on a larger macro scale, I, th I know we briefly talked about this, but it's going to lead to larger distrust of the crypto space in general. 
probably will lead to less people putting their money in it, uh, less people believing in it, which might impact your investments to date. Yeah, to give you a more dystopian spin, it's probably going to consolidate the industry into spheres of influence. You'll have the kind of outside the U.S.'s financial regulatory long arms, the Binance world. And then in the U.S., you'll probably have Coinbase, which are unlikely to fail from what I understand due to the solvency crisis. They, apparently, Brian Armstrong, their CEO, was on a podcast and he said they, they're, they have tons of assets and they, they're kind of in a different business. They make money off of trading fees and not off of leveraged instruments because if you don't know ftx and binance both allow you to go like 10x margin 50x margin with bitcoin lots all kinds of high risk instruments that i don't recommend for anybody ever but especially anybody in their 20s um so yeah i I think that's going to happen and the other thing that's going to happen is cbdc's we hate to hear it but central bank digital currencies Governments are going to start getting involved. They're going to come into this space and basically just co-opt it. Yeah, and, I think, uh, yeah. yeah, this was actually, that's something that I meant to mention earlier is that there's no way now that there won't be increased regulation. The government's not going to look at this and say, oh, this was a great thing that happened. Like there is just going to be increased regulation across the board. Didn't the Federal Reserve release an announcement about some kind of digital token today, Mihao, November 15th? Yeah, 12-week trial period on CBDCs with some companies. I forget which ones. So it's coming, guys, whether you like it or not. I don't like it. Me neither. I also did want to say that a couple people have been throwing the word contagion around a lot. You know, usually that's used when talking about a pandemic or an illness. There are a couple companies that look likely to fall uh, in the coming days. I believe BlockFi which I actually used very briefly last year because it earned you APY on Bitcoin. Uh, but I got my stuff out of there, thank God. BlockFi has halted withdrawals and Wall Street Journal said they're likely going to go bankrupt. And then Crypto.com, which is another training platform, could very likely go bankrupt. So okay. it's it's kind of sus days. out there. Yes, scary days. Okay, so Miha, I think you're the most well-versed in this space. Would you recommend that people pull out? they stay where they are they sell it gives people have crypto or money in crypto what do you think they should do i can't believe we're having this conversation again because when i was crypto crazy in 2017 uh this was already a known thing you need to have custody of your private keys why are you keeping your bitcoin and your ethereum on coinbase on ftx i'm sorry amelia for throwing you into the frying pan here you need to withdraw these into cold wallets and if you believe in the tech uh hold on to it on the side because you're probably not going to be cashing out for short-term profit anyways so i still think it's worth it as a hedge against the us dollar and uh, yeah just stay away from these exchanges well said mihao and if you go back to our previous episode right after the bitcoin conference in march i believe we talked a lot about crypto And that's one of the things we suggested to everyone back then. Self-custody of your keys is extremely important if you want to be invested in crypto. Now, what are some takeaways, positive takeaways? Because there's a lot of negative ones that you can look at this and start listing off. But the positive takeaways from an event like this, what are they? Let's start with you, Amelia. Um, perhaps to think more about your investments before you just blindly make them. I'm not sure if it would change my short-term strategy, but perhaps my long-term strategy instead of randomly just opening Coinbase 
having it scan my face, do the little check mark, allow me to access my account, and then just blindly dumping money in, perhaps spending a little more time doing research and actually believing in an exchange before I put my money in it. One positive. Second positive, perhaps a good movie will come out soon. Okay, not bad positives. The the positive that I see, and it's a tip. You know, guys, listeners, you know I love to give you tips. There is no shame in not investing in something because you don't understand it. And I think even I listened to a podcast a long time ago with Jack Welch, who is a legendary CEO. He was... I think he's uh, like one of the most well-known CEOs and he's cited in a lot of leadership things. He ran GE from 1981 to 2001. He received the largest ever severance package, uh, which is $420 million. I think it was Jack Welch who said, if I didn't understand a business or part of our business, I wouldn't invest in it if I couldn't understand it. So if you're somebody who's very hands-on and it's a little bit over your head then invest in things that you can understand it's it's simple yeah i think i bought into crypto initially because of fomo uh everyone was talking about it this was a few years ago it sort of made me feel like why am i not investing in this like everyone was talking about how much money they'll make how much will be valued at 50 years i'm looking at both of you actually because you guys roped me into those conversations as well um, and so I didn't know a lot about the space and I was one of those dumb investors that just put money into it. Not to say that there won't be potentially returns on it um, in the coming years, but for right now, you know, it's not looking like the greatest investment I've ever made. People said the same in 2018, though. I mean, I can't believe I'm living through two crypto crashes and two booms. And uh, some of the people who bought during the Cold War period uh, made great returns the second time around. So just know... Know what your risk tolerance is and what you're willing to invest. Now, I've lost spectacular amounts of money on crypto, NFTs, and options trading. So I'm not an expert, and I cannot tell you what to do. I can only tell you that having a short time horizon is not a good investing strategy. Um, True, we can't predict what's to come. It's possible it rebounces like no other stock ever before. I did have one takeaway I just wanted to say. It is, a little, it is a little impetuous, but basically a 28-year-old autistic female, female autistic Harry Potter fan who wanted to live, wrote about wanting to live in a Chinese imperial harem and who wrote about how Adderall would make, Adderall made life so much more tolerable and how stupid sober life was, was put in charge of $32 billion of assets. So if she can do it, why can't you? Let's go. Love that. And with- I did see that tweet. It was like, what? or no, sorry. I My tweet was actually about Elon Musk. It was like, why am I worried about imposter syndrome in this tiny little meeting when Elon's just walking around like spewing shit out of his mouth? But same applies here. I really like that, Mihao. Give people the confidence to do big things in life. Perhaps not to tank almost the entire economy like this girl the ex-girlfriend caroline whatever did but be inspired guys be confident send us an email 20 is the new 30 at gmail.com 
And with that, we will see you all next week. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye, guys.